0: This is District Sentinel Radio broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. I'm Sam Sachs. Check out the website, districtSentinel.com. Sam Knight, out of town this week, but
1: even better. Or just as good. Just as good. Just Just as as good. We'll we'll
0: keep it at just Just as as good. good. We'll see where we are at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to do an edition of Chip Chat while Sam Knight is out of town. I'm joined by Show regular Chip Gibbons, Policy and Legislative Counsel at Defending Rights and Dissent. He's been published in Jacobin, The Nation, and The Washington Post. And as always, views expressed during Chip Chat are Chips alone. Yes. They do not represent uh, Anyone, DSA really. either. Oh, okay. Uh, congratulations yes. well, thank you. Recently, uh, well, congratulations. On your election. Yes.
1: yes, I have really done it to myself this time. I'm to the, uh, steering now on committee. the steering committee of Metro DC DSA.
0: And that means you're going to be going to uh, Atlanta, right? Well,
1: I was also elected as a delegate, not not content to run in one election. So I've now run <sighs> in two. Uh, but I will be going to Atlanta. Nice. In August, which is, you know, going to be hot.
0: Sam Knight and I might be going to Atlanta as well. Oh, uh, in the this press booth? N- we are working on things right now. We'll have an official announcement, hopefully, in, in the next couple weeks.
1: Chip Chat Atlanta edition.
0: Yeah. So all right. <laughs> so Chip, um, pretty frightening stuff in the headlines over the last few days. We have the uh, several outlets reporting that the Trump administration is considering tactical strikes against Iran. Um, they are talking about how Iran is about to violate the nuclear deal, which the U.S. Which we already violated. violated. Yes. yes. Uh, I just want to read a quick snippet. This is some recent reporting from Politico. It says that last week, two lawmakers, Trump ally Matt Getz and Democrat Elisa Slotkin, said that Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Had invoked the 2001 AUMF in a closed door briefing with lawmakers about Iran, suggesting that the administration could use it as a legal justification for war.
1: (laughs) Against Iran. Against Iran. Yes. I mean, they've already been used as. So the AUMF was passed 17 years ago, um, immediately after 9 11. Uh, most people, many people, think of it as sort of the authorization to go into Afghanistan. Uh, but fun fact: Afghanistan not named in it. Neither is Al Qaeda. Just sort of the groups that carried out nine eleven and those who harbored them.
0: Um, which, even though uh, the AUMF doesn't specifically state uh, Afghanistan or uh, any other country or anything that which creates the problem that it's overly broad. It is pretty specific about the attacks and who's responsible for them. And
1: Yeah, it doesn't name names, but it does say the president can use the necessary and appropriate force against those who carried out the terror attacks of 9-11 and those who harbored them. Right. Um, so ISIS, which didn't exist uh, on 9-11, would presumably not be covered under the AUMF. Um, Iran, which, you know, very famously has sort of a, um, not great relationship with the people who did not allow, I don't know if people actually realize this, but, um, you know, Iran did not have good relations with the Taliban in the 90s. The Taliban seized one of their diplomatic outposts and executed Iranian diplomats in 1998. So Iran was supporting the Northern Alliance over the Taliban, um, sort of like the U.S. post 11 and there's been a, a number of uh, terror attacks with inside Iran over the years that have been carried out by these sorts of al-Qaeda-like Salafist groups. And I know Cy Hirsch um, claimed in The New Yorker about 2007 t- 7 that the U.S. was was sort of inadvertently funding sort of al-Qaeda-linked groups instead sort of their efforts to get iran so trying to connect iran to the people who carried out 9-11 is you know
0: problematic it's Even problematic hate that word. Uh, but it, it goes beyond problematic but, but it, you know it is in, this, a in the 17
1: years in the 17 years according to the congressional research service the aumf has been used to justify 41 military operations In 19 countries. Can you name 19 countries that we've had military operations in? I have trouble naming
0: 19 countries on the spot in general. I mean, I I
1: can name a lot of countries we've had military operations in Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia, Mali, Yemen, but I I don't think I can name 19. Yeah. I I would love to see if anyone in Congress could name 19.
0: So, going off that, then just bringing Iran into the scope of the AUMF seems just like a natural step.
1: Unfortunately, the AUMF... <laughs> started
0: by the Obama administration, not started started by the Bush administration, Bush. but carried forward uh, by bringing in ISIS, uh, attacks on ISIS, and I guess they they used some flimsy thing like the Khorasan Group, which was a the break-off group. of... <laughs> Of Al-Qaeda. Which we
1: never heard of before they
0: bombed. Yeah, um, to, to kind of I, I open the door never heard for the AUMF and to it's be used. Like,
1: yes. So I think it's really important to go back to the Bush administration. Obama normalized the abuses of, of the Bush administration. But I, I think in this case, we actually have to go back to the Bush administration and really recall just how unhinged they were in the after 9-11 uh, era. I mean, the Bush administration argued that we were in a global war on terror. The global war on terror had no geographic borders, it had no battlefield, and it included U.S., domestic U.S. soil. So a lot of people think of the AUMF and they think of, you know, military operations. But the AUMF is also, the legal justification that's used to justify Guantanamo—the yeah. people held in Guantanamo are held there under the AUMF because the necessary and appropriate force uh, includes the right of military detention. Uh, the Bush administration argued it gave them the right to detain U.S. citizens. The Supreme Court, you know, caught kind up of basically said, you know, this is this is true. The AUMF gives the Bush administration, detention authorities. And and if you think about it... It's also
0: what they based a lot of the surveillance on, too. The
1: NSA terrorist awareness, terrorist surveillance program, which was the one revealed by the New York Times in 2005, not the one revealed by Edward Snowden in 2013, was warrantless wiretapping that the Bush administration used was justified under the AUMF. And just to comment on the detention thing, that's not totally facetious i mean like the argument is that if we have a right to use military force we have a right to detain people uh capture as opposed to just you know extrajudicial executions
0: of well people. that is force yes <laughs>
1: but it's, it's it's been used in such a broad way um the supreme court last week refused to hear an appeal by someone who's been held at guantanamo for 17 years um and Justice Breyer, who was one of the judges who who joined in on the plurality that sort of um, created this current AUMF detention framework, was like, hey, when we did this at the time, you know, things have changed. Dramatically, and we need to actually go back and review whether or not this 2000. I mean, if we have an endless war, then you can endlessly detain people. I mean, 17 I mean, the, years. The argument <laughs> is that the people in Guantanamo are being detained pursuant to an ongoing on conflict. But if we just keep adding in new countries and adding in new new. Um, New groups that didn't even exist. I mean, we're literally talking about And this is the phrase that is used forever prisoners. And, you know, there are 20 some people at Guantanamo who are considered forever prisoners. The U.S. government claims they don't have enough evidence to bring charges against them in the Guantanamo court, which already has a... um, looser standard of of uh proceeding procedural process rights yeah and they can't but, do anything but they're too dangerous to release so there's a group of people who there's no evidence to support any sort of charges against but can never be released because they're too dangerous to be released these people are forever prisoners they are not you know people who, we, we killed bin Laden like as, as far as I'm concerned <laughs> like well, okay
0: you know. I'm rolling my eyes in the studio but that's fine
1: but like let, but The person who did 9-11 you know they they're gone like the idea that this (laughs) authorization of use of military force still allows us to carry on wars and detain people is it's just utterly absurd and i think this is why you know congress i know i'm always saying congress should do things and they don't apparently listen to this segment because they've yet to do so, really needs to repeal the AUMF. And it's worth pointing out that the current current minibus actually has a provision in it to sunset the AUMF. That Barbara Lee, the one person to vote against the AUMF, uh, has managed to get a a a clause in the minibus to sunset it. She also has a separate standalone bill that would that would sunset it as well. And you know, two years ago, This happened, and people were surprised because it passed bipartisanly out of the Appropriations Committee, and then the House Rules Committee uh, stripped it from the Appropriations Bill. Then the next year, it it did not pass. The people who had previously voted for it, who were Republicans, declined to do so again. I, I don't think they realized I think they wanted to vote to repeal the AUMF, but not actually do so because mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a great position to be in.
0: Um, Just let it get stripped out in the closed door conference session down the road, and you don't have to have well, be responsible for it. People were surprised; got taken out.
1: it was a huge surprise when they actually had the votes to. Um, no one thought that was going to happen, but then this time it has been added to the mini bus. On a uh, partisan partisan vote, party line vote. Uh, the House Rules Committee has not stripped it out. They've struck down amendments to remove it. So, and Trump is said he'll veto the minibus because yeah, it hasn't. It- let
0: me read the administration's statement here on that specific provision in the minibus, uh, repeal of the AUMF. Um, this is why uh, the administration strongly objects to Section 9025, oh, 9025 of the bill, which would repeal the current AUMF. The 2001 and 2002 AUMFs grant the United States the legal authority to fight the counterterrorism campaign against the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and associated forces, including the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria. I guess they included the 2002 AUMF in there so that they could do this. But it's unclear the the language which AUMF refers to which string of... Uh, uh, I, I, I think they argue that the
1: 2001 includes associated forces. I, I believe that when they codified the detention provisions of the AUMF in the NDAA, which was obviously very controversial, I believe they used the phrase associated forces. But I, yeah. I would have to go back and look at the text of
0: the- – It goes on to say, while DOD is not seeking a new or revised AUMF, the department continues to participate in productive discussions with the Congress on the 2001 AUMF. Arbitrarily repealing the 2001 AUMF would risk the military's ability to pursue and defeat terrorists who seek to harm the United States and the nation's interests uh, at home and abroad.
1: I mean, it's also, unfortunately, (laughs) worth noting that a number of people who think the AUMF has been overused, want to propose new AUMFs that are even worse. Yeah. I mean, there was um, in the last session what was called the Corker-Cain AUMF, yep. which allowed the president to name new terrorist forces. And then Congress had so many days to um, basically be like, no, you can't add them. I mean, it, it's totally backwards. Like Congress is supposed to declare war. Not the president. Here is Congress saying the president can, you know, make a new war on anyone he chooses, and Congress has basically needs a supermajority to stop him, and that is somehow legal. It's it's totally absurd. It's well past time to repeal the AUMF, and it, it, it's time to like start insisting that you know the AUMF as written is overly broad and bad, but these really ridiculous interpretations of it are just not acceptable. I mean, the idea— They're legal. They're legal. I mean, you can't expand Guantanamo to include people from ISIS, right? Because, like, ISIS should not be covered by the AUMF. Like, you shouldn't be expanding Guantanamo. You shouldn't have anyone in Guantanamo. But the idea that Trump could apply the AUMF law of war detention to people who— we weren't even born when 9-11 happened and and put them in guantanamo is utterly absurd
0: we to start putting iranians in guantanamo now as a result of some conflict that we're about to get involved in if the administration is already pointing to the 2001 AUMF as justification for any sort of it's force. utterly
1: it's it's utterly sickening i mean I, the u.s move towards war with iran is very disturbing obviously um and it, it's something that we all should be be opposing.
0: What what do you make of uh, not to get too conspiratorial here though, but, I mean has it, what, do, what do you make the of Gulf the evidence of Omen? that's been the of that's been Omen? put forward here. Well, to justify if I was this?
1: Iran and I had the Japanese prime minister come visit me in an effort to prevent a U.S. war with Iran, the first thing I would do would be to attack ships in the Gulf of Oman <laughs> carrying Japanese-related cargo while he was there. I mean, I- I'm very hostile to anything that sounds like a conspiracy theory. I think some of my friends on the left like resort too much to like false flag theories. It's part of the reason why I've checked out of any discourse on Syria. But listening to this, like I, 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 I don't know if I buy it. I start feeling a little tinfoil, Hattie. You know, a yeah. golf. You know, remember what happened—the golf of Tunkin?
0: Well, that's what—that's what, that's what uh, I'm saying. Is that? No,
1: I agree. Yes. Just the speak- lack
0: of imagination here is what strikes me the most.
1: It's just—it's so utterly absurd. I mean, the people on the ship immediately came out and contradicted the U.S. story. But we have all these people in the media who just keep reporting the evidence is really strong. And then you have people like Adam Schiff who are like, oh, the evidence against Iran is super. Adam Schiff, resistance hero, you know, the evidence against Iran is super strong. It's a shame we don't have a more competent president, like I guess George W. Bush, um, you know, who could take us into war we're, yeah. we're so internationally isolated you know no one believes the u.s when they claim a boat is attacked in a Gulf because <laughs> something the u.s would never lie about
0: but it has legs here in the u.s because the media of the way, goes along with yeah, it yeah and and the way elected lawmakers go along with it like adam schiff like nancy pelosi releasing a statement uh talking about iran's bad actions but how we shouldn't go the way that the trump administration is going even elizabeth warren tweeting out like oh i hope iran chooses a different path it's like this (laughs) iran is just doing its thing here they're not (laughs) so
1: national intelligence estimate from like 2007 or whenever concluded that iran was not currently producing a pursuing a nuclear weapon like that has been the opinion of the intelligence community since the bush years uh, fun fact from, from WikiLeaks, we know from the uh, U.S. Embassy in Israel cables that they asked the Israelis if they had different intelligence as the NIE was based off of. And the Israelis said, no, you're just applying, you know, too high of a burden of proof to evidence because you're you're too sensitive about that WMD thing. Um, I'm not making that up. Uh, and, and you know. Even the whole Iran nuclear agreement, which I was happy for because it was an alternative to war, I mean, it's still based on this premise that Iran is pursuing nuclear weapons when the intelligence community has consistently determined they're not, and everyone in the media just repeats it as a matter of fact that, you know, Iran is somehow pursuing nu- nuclear weapons. Iran is somehow the bad actor, as opposed to like the U.S. is cooking up a war of aggression against the sovereign nation. I don't like the current Iranian government. Um, they're very reactionary. There are, you know, leftists and communist forces in Iran historically that, you know, didn't like them either. And what's left of them don't like them. Um, I, I don't think we need to be like, oh, the Iranian government is great. We should support them. But, you know, we should be clear. Like, the intelligence assessments don't justify the U- any of the claims about Iran that are repeatedly taken as fact by the media and repeatedly asserted as fact by our politicians.
0: Yeah, having said all that, we are now in a situation where uh, pursuing a nuclear weapon might be the uh, justifiable thing for Iran to do, and that's coming from someone I'm strictly opposed to nuclear weapons. I think nations make a mistake when they invest in those and the messes that are created by the development of that technology. But if there's one situation in which a country would be justified in pursuing a nuke, it's when a uh, fellow nuclear-armed nation is saber-rattling and threatening to invade you. Two two
1: nuclear-armed nations. True. Uh... Plus another nation that doesn't have nuclear weapons, but I believe has chemical weapons. The Saudis, right? The yes. Saudis have
0: chemical weapons. So, so just to bring this so, back, so like
1: I, I don't think using a nuclear weapon is ever justified, and therefore I don't think pursuing a nuclear weapons program is is ever really justified. However, it's not irrational when you have two nuclear armed nations plus the Saudis. Saudis, you know, trying to start a war with you. They've gone through. They ask Qaddafi to give up his weapons of mass destruction then kill him yeah. uh they invade Iraq and then North Korea who you know hasn't given up its nuclear program still there um mm-hmm. you know I'm not I'm not justifying you know a nuclear weapons programs but I think a rational regime that wanted to preserve its existence which you know all governments are rational regimes that want to preserve their existence for the most part you know it's not something unique to the Iranians would probably do this.
0: Yeah, going back to the AU- AUMF and wrapping this up a bit. When when the administration claims that it's participating in productive discussions with Congress on the 2001 AUMF, that's essentially bullshit right now. I, I don't know there's what only they're referring one effort to. to repeal the AUMF and that's Barbara Lee's effort that has some support in Congress. We'll see if this can get across a finish line, I mean, I'm certainly skeptical of it, considering all the hurdles it has to cross before that point. There are
1: so many hurdles on it, but I think this is something that, if we actually pushed for and organized, the left could make a real difference. I didn't think the initial Yemen war powers resolution was going to pass, um, and it, you know, it, it, it even a democratic control thing. But at, th- at this point, after organizing and and demands, like it passed the House, it passed the Senate, there wasn't a veto proof majority. Do I think this Senate will repeal the AUMF? Do I think you could override Trump's veto? Probably not. But you know, ever since two years ago when, you know, the appropriations committee bipartisanly agreed to to insert a AUMF repeal prohibition into a bill, like if groups on the left actually mobilized and organized and pushed for this I really think we potentially had had a shot. I'm not overly yeah. optimistic, but, you know, people always say on, like, foreign policy, I'm like, oh, there's nothing you can do. It's all hopeless. Focus only on local issues. But, like, between the efforts to repeal the AUMF, between the Yemen war powers— uh, resolutions. I think there's real tangible foreign policy objectives that a mass le- left-wing movement could pursue and could potentially have victories on. Would it be the end of US imperialism? No. Would it be the end of all of our problems? No. But but getting us to stop supporting the Saudis from bombing Yemen, getting us to repeal the AUMF, those would be really important victories, and 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 the thing about movement victories is that once you have one success, people feel very empowered and they're willing to demand more.
0: Yeah, well so said. The thesis and, of Rosa Luxemburg. <laughs> um, and who knows where we'll be in a week? Because we, this administration could be bombing Iran in a week, which would yes. uh, uh, make this movement. Uh, I, an emergency, necessarily. No, yes, and we should be, uh, yes. And I, I would like to see, and we've seen the, the Sanders campaign at the forefront of lots of labor struggles, using their campaign to connect people to on-the-ground organizing around labor uh, issues. Um, we've seen the campaign also uh, at the forefront on a lot of foreign policy issues. Including talking Yemen and about Iran. Yemen, uh, and yeah, recently speaking out uh, against Iran. Um, I'd love to see the the campaign teaming up with Barbara Lee. Uh, getting Barbara Lee, doing a video of Sanders and Barbara Lee about getting rid of the AUMF together. Would Barbara
1: Lee do that, though? I don't know. I Hasn't mean, she's she endorsed, endorsed Kamala, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Yeah, yeah, but she should. I mean, she, no, might, she I mean, should. No, she issue. should. She should. She should. I'm not, I'm not saying yes, I, yeah. I, 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 but I, I'm not. No, and I I think that the Sanders campaign has done a lot to yeah. a lot of flaws to Sanders, but he's gotten people um mobilized in a way that I've not seen in my lifetime. And you know he has been good about the labor stuff. He's been getting better on foreign policy. He's pursued
0: some. Actual- well, he's the best in the race when it comes to foreign policy. Hands down. Gravel's not in the race, and I don't think he counts, even if he was. So. Yeah.
1: No. No. I. I don't know. It's. It's.
0: It's. And, and to me, that is the most significant difference. Uh, between his campaign and Warren's campaign other than perhaps like their vision of change and how that happens but like when it comes down to how uh, they would govern in the policies that they have the most remarkable difference is in how they approach foreign policy
1: yeah I think that's I think that's true I'm just thinking about all of the candidates foreign policy statements I mean Gabbard has a lot of baggage and I know she don't even
0: do that. made the the Modi comment. Don't even don't even go down that road just thinking about but it. She's, You're thinking she's, it out loud. She's, I know, she's but. made
1: better comments on Venezuela than sure. Sanders has. I mean, her comments on the sanctions in Venezuela, on regime change in Venezuela, really put Sanders to shame. She spoke out about WikiLeaks before Sanders did. Um I, I, I think she has some productive things to say on foreign policy. I think she has a lot of baggage. I wouldn't support her but, I mean, I wish she could push Sanders to be better on some of these foreign policy issues.
0: Yeah, yeah. Chip Gibbons, plug your Twitter.
1: Uh, at ChipGibbons89. I
0: just want to return to something real quick, uh, not to be like a, a, a truther when it comes to Osama bin Laden, but let me just say, if tomorrow... Let's assume that bin Laden wasn't killed, and tomorrow Trump came out and said... Uh, Just want everyone to know we got Bin Laden in a raid. Uh, Don't ask for any evidence. We just dropped his body in the middle of the ocean. Uh, We're not going to release any pictures or anything like that. You just got to trust us on this. A lot of people would be like, I'm not so sure about that.
1: I'm pretty sure we (laughs) killed Bin Laden, but...
0: It's pretty weird looking back at it, though. (laughs) All right, we'll end it there. Chip Givens. Have a good one. Thanks for coming on for another edition of Chip Chat. That'll do it for District Sentinel Radio today. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel to get all of our content that we release Monday through Thursday. Thanks to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. We're here in D.C. Well, Sam Knight's not, but Chip and I are in D.C. I am. Right now. So you don't have to be.